Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. you to close your eyes for a moment. God, we can be anywhere in the world, yet we find ourselves here today. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that you specialize in turning things around for good. God, I pray that as we look at our stories and consider our, our journey, God, that you'd help us to see how to turn things around for your good. We love you, Lord. Thanks for today. Give us big muscles and great hair. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I just gave you a favor, some of you in this room. You're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. You're welcome. Some of you are like, I don't need no prayer. I already look good. And so, well done, well done. We're glad you're here. Uh, happy Easter. My name's Adam. I'm the campus pastor here in the West Shore. And it is such a delight to be able to do this with you today. Um, you could be anywhere in the world, and uh, there's something there's something special about this moment. You know, like if God really is God, right? And He did uh, put the stars in the sky, and he, and he did pull up the mountains and pour out the waters. If He is the one who 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 wrote the days of your life before you're even born, what's encouraging to me is the whole idea that that means He knows that this moment was going to happen. So you could be anywhere in the world, but somehow, for some reason, right now, God set it up for you to be here today. And my prayer, and I'm just so thankful that you came, my prayer, though, is that you'd be able to leave here different than the way that you came in, that this wouldn't just be another Easter Sunday service for you, but today that you would really, you, you would meet God, and God, God would speak to you right where you're at. You know, when we launched this campus uh, uh, just a little over a year ago, one of the very first things I remember saying to everybody was that here at Coastline Church, we want to be known as the most unwelcoming church in the West Shore. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I didn't grow up going to church. And I remember assuming that I needed to have my whole life figured out and I, need to be, I needed to be uh, right with God in order to come in through these doors. Um, I remember thinking that if I walked into a church building, the, the, I, would, I would start on fire. Anybody else think that? That's what I thought. And, and, and so, so what surprises me, though, is that's not the case. And so when I say that we want to be unwelcoming, I want to be a church where the unwell know that they can come that you don't have to pretty yourself up to come here on a Sunday morning, but you can come just as you are. Come with your, with your struggles, your fears, your insecurities. Don't pretend to be somebody you're not in order to come to church. Think of church as a spiritual hospital in so many ways. If you go to a hospital and you go to the doctor and he says, how you doing? And you say, you know, I'm doing really fine. But on the inside, you're like super sick. It would make no sense. And so I, I want to do everything I can just as, as, as your pastor you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. Just, just come as you are. We want to be a church where the unwell can come. And what's beautiful about that is in so many ways, it's really the, the, the Christian story. It's the Easter story where, where, where Jesus, on Good Friday, he, he, he died on the cross for, for our sins, as we talked about and learned about today. 
But as he, as he rose again on, on Easter Sunday, what he did is he created a pathway for us. He created a route for us. He created a way for us. He created a way for the unwell to become well. And that is what we want to look at today. That is what we want to spend some time considering this morning. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to highlight a, a particular story in the Bible for you. If you've been around the church for any, any deal of time, you'll know Easter's a pretty big deal for us. It's kind of like our Super Bowl. We are all about Easter. We are resurrection-type people, right? And, and so, but Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose from the grave, there's, there's a few different versions or a few different um, accounts, a few different stories that took place. Because the first time when he rose out of the grave, the first person that saw him was actually a lady named Mary, which is actually pretty profound that in that ancient culture, the first person to see Jesus was a woman. And I think that's pretty substantial and very significant, especially in a culture now, a modern culture, that, that um, would maybe ignore that fact. Like, it's a pretty special thing. That was the first person that Jesus saw. Second time, Jesus appeared before people was actually before the disciples later that night. And all the disciples, but Thomas was there. It would suck to be Thomas in that moment. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, later, a few, eight days later, seven or eight days later, he, uh, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. And, and that time, Thomas was there. Praise the Lord. And, and it all worked out really good. But the story I want to actually look at took place just a little bit later, like, like, like sometime after that moment. It's actually the story of, of Jesus showing up at the Sea of Galilee while the disciples were fishing. And so if you had brought your Bible to church, this is a great time to pull it out and kind of show off that you got a fancy Bible. Uh, just kidding, we don't do that, but, but, but you can. Uh, but uh, turn to John chapter 21 with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can read it off the screen. If you have it on your phone, you can pretend that's what you're doing the whole time and turn off your Facebook right now, that'd be great. But uh, I want to look at John chapter 21, verse 1. These are the words that it says. So later, Jesus appeared to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, like I just said. And this is how it happened. This is how the story shook down. This is, this is what, what went on. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Wouldn't it be awful? Just a little sidebar. Imagine you were one of those two disciples. Everybody else gets listed in the, like, the Bible Hall of Fame. Then there's two other guys who will remain unmentioned. <laughs> it's kind of like when I think of my family, you should, sometimes you talk about all the family that show up, but you have like that one family member where you kind of like keep it on the down low a little bit. Yeah, and, and he was there too. That's what happened, the, the, the weird uncle. That's, that's what that is. The two other weird uncles were already in the space. Verse three, Simon Peeper said, I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come too, they all said. So they went in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. They didn't have Monty with them. Monty is, this, Monty is always catching fish. But these guys, they caught nothing that night. And what I want you to see here in that little introduction is something very profound. After the resurrection took place, everything went back to normal. Like, like, like you go back to everyday life. And this is a really important concept for us to consider this Easter. After the resurrection changes, or after the resurrection happens rather, everything changes and nothing changes. 
all at the same time. You see, just because a person believes that Jesus is real, it doesn't mean that everything is going to start working out in their favor. Jesus isn't a lucky charm, right? Like, oh, I got Jesus in my pocket. Perfect, I'll play this card right now. It doesn't work like that. And I remember before I came to church, I had that assumption, and maybe some of you, you had that assumption too, that if I become a Christian, then poof, I'm not going to have any more problems. But I love the fact that it says that they caught no fish. And I love that this detail is included in the Bible. It's as if the author, when he was writing out all, the, all of these events, he wanted it and felt it was really important that we would know 2,000 some years later that after Jesus was resurrected, they went swimming or they went fishing and they caught no fish. Because it reminds us that life has highs and lows. It reminds us that sometimes we catch fish and sometimes we don't. And that's important for us to understand. Verse four, it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Just because you know who Jesus is, it doesn't mean that you're always gonna recognize him. And I hope this speaks to somebody today. Because you can go through drought seasons, right? Where, where, where one minute we're feeling great, we're on top of the world, everything is awesome. And the next minute you're praying and it feels like every prayer you pray bounces off the ceiling. You're sitting there almost wondering to yourself, God, where are you? You're supposed to be real. You're supposed to care. You're supposed to be here for me, but I can't see you anywhere. And the unfortunate reality is this. Sometimes you're going to recognize Jesus, but sometimes you might not. And this is both comforting and discouraging. Comforting for some of you, because maybe now you're like, oh, phew, I'm normal. <laughs> okay. But also discouraging, because you're like, oh, man, I thought everything was going to be easier once I became a Christian. It just doesn't work like that. Verse five, the story goes on. And from the, from the shore, Jesus calls out and it says, he called out, fellows. Only Jesus talks like that. Nobody says that. That's what Jesus says. Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied from the boat. Well, then throw out your net on the right side of the boat and then you'll catch some. And I can just picture what they're sitting there thinking to themselves. Like, like who is this guy? Because it says right there, they, they didn't know it was Jesus. But here there's this person on the shore yelling out to them, trying to encourage them, a, a, a different way to fish. Oh, you didn't catch anything yet? Well, why don't you just throw the net on the other side of the boat? That'll work. Okay. Sure. But then they start remembering and Peter, when he became a Christian, his first interaction with Jesus was actually a fishing story. And, and Jesus, of all the places, came and he walked up and he like stood on, G on Peter's boat. Then after Jesus finished preaching, he's like, hey, Pete, can you take me out to catch some fish? He's like, all right, homie. He's like, yeah, bro, let's do it. And so they went back out. That's how they talked in the Bible. And when they got there, Peter was discouraged because the night before he hadn't caught anything. And Peter, Jesus says to Peter, just, no, no, just put your nets out here. Go out a little bit further and put your nets out here. And then they catch a whole bunch of fish. 
So here's Peter on the boat that day after Jesus is resurrected, this random guy calling out from the shore, talking just like Jesus talked. He starts wondering to himself, maybe, just maybe, something's going on here. I've noticed something funny about Christianity. And it's that sometimes Jesus asks you to do painfully frustrating and obvious things. Jesus says, oh, you're not catching any fish. Take your nets from this side and put it on this side. That doesn't feel very spiritual. <laughs> doesn't feel very mystical. Doesn't feel very Jesus-y. But that's often how God works. Sometimes we find ourselves crying out to God, God, would you just show up and do something? Would you please speak to me? Come on, I want to walk on some water or something. Turn some water into wine. Do something cool. But he doesn't tell us those things. He just tells us to do simple things, like forgive that person. You're like, gosh, you want me to forgive that person? Can't you ask me to calm a storm or something? I want to forgive them. I'd rather, can you just ask me to punch them, please? Ask me to punch them. That would be way better. But he asks us to do simple and obvious things sometimes. That's really profound. And the story continues, and it says, so they did. So this guy calls out to the from the water, Jesus saying, put your nets on the other side, and so they do it. And then they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish inside of it. And what we see here is something that, 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 that makes intuitive sense. When Jesus asks you to do something simple, the results can surprise you. Don't over-mysticize your faith. We can so easily do this. We get into this habit of just assuming that, that God only works in miracles or he doesn't work at all. There is power in forgiveness. There is power in just loving people. There is power in, in listening. Friends, Jesus wants to be just as involved in your life when you're, when you're getting your kids ready for school as he does when you come to church on a Sunday morning and lift your hands and praise God. Jesus wants to be just as involved in your life when you're, when you're driving to work as you are when you're out here serving on team, volunteering in the parking lot. Jesus wants to be a part of those simple things. Verse seven. Then it says, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now this is one of my favorite flexes in the whole Bible. Because <laughs> here you got John writing this book and the way he describes himself as the disciple Jesus loved classic human move, don't you think? It's so awesome. Like if I was writing the Bible, it'd be like, and the man with the huge muscles and real rock hard abs said to Jesus. Like that way, like you, we don't know, right? We wouldn't know. So he's just writing. He can write whatever he wanted. The guy with really sweet hair and drove whatever. But he said, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. It's awesome. This is, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, hey, 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 Peter, 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 it's the Lord. And then when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. What takes place here is such a powerful picture. 
Because you need to remember Peter's last encounter with Jesus. Before Jesus died, Peter, uh, Jesus says to him, like point blank, Peter, you're going you're gonna to disown me. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna reject me. And Peter's like, no, no, Lord, I will never do that. I am like hardcore Christian. I would never do that. Maybe those guys, but not me, never. What ends up happening? He ends up denying Jesus. Peter's crushed, absolutely crushed. He never saw himself in that moment, never could have predicted that that would happen. Jesus dies on a cross. This God that he, that he, that he gave us everything for, he died. And, and, and he's, he's confused. He wasn't totally sure if Jesus would raise from the dead. He had no idea. He was just sitting there standing in his own frustrations. Thinking, what have I done? And then Jesus shows up. And everything inside of Peter was like, I gotta make it right. 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 When you mess up, fight the temptation to avoid Jesus. Because we're all gonna mess up. We're all unwell sometimes, right? We're all unwell. So if you're unwell, you can come to church. If you have COVID, stay home. Don't come to church. But if you're unwell, you can still come to church, right? And I say, we're all unwell sometimes. We're going to mess up. And when we mess up, it's kind of intuitive for us to try and avoid people. Avoid Jesus for sure. Try and pretend that we're doing a little bit better than we are because we're embarrassed. We feel awful. We're dying inside a little bit, but we don't want anyone to know. Peter doesn't do that. He jumps into the boat, or jumps out of the boat. He doesn't care what his friends think. Swims, beelines it for Jesus. It's powerful. Verse eight. The others, however, (laughs) the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they were only a hundred yards from the shore. This is a really funny detail that, that John throws in there. In other words, he's like, nobody else jumped in the water. <laughs> Peter swam 100 yards when he didn't have to, and we just rode in right behind him and brought the fish. Verse 9. When they got there, of all the things that they could find, when they got there, they, they found Jesus, but they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus says. And so Simon Peter, all soaking wet, he went aboard, dragged the net of fish out to shore. And there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't even broken. Verse 12, now he says, now come. Now come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples there dared, dared to say, well, who, who are you? Because they knew in their hearts, says they knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them bread and fish. And this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. In other words, do not overcomplicate Christianity. Of all the stories Of all the things that could have been included in the Bible, what we read here 
is Jesus rose from the dead, then came and ate breakfast with his friends. Easter at its core is a story of resurrection and reconciliation. If you read on in John chapter 21, it becomes abundantly clear that this whole story is about one, Jesus coming back, number two, reconciling with Peter, making things right with Peter, and then giving him a second chance. And maybe deep down, this is you. This Easter, you know, you're in your heart of hearts that you need to reconcile something with God. And of all the places you can be, here you are with Jesus. I'll invite the band back on close with this. Um, let me close by highlighting verse seven. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, because I want to argue, I feel like I might be able to argue that these eight words may very well be the most powerful words in the entire Bible. At first glance, they might come across as a sort of flex or a boast. But it's actually not the case here. What I love about this verse is actually John's perspective on his identity. John wasn't saying that he's the only disciple that Jesus loved. He was speaking from this place of, of, of personal revelation. He, he finally figured it out. Of all the things in the world, he, he figured it out. He had this epiphany moment. I am a disciple. I am a, I'm a Christian. I have a calling. I, I have a purpose on my life. And you want to know what, what qualifies me for that? Jesus loves me. You want to know where my self-confidence comes from? Jesus loves me. You want to know what forms my identity? Well, Jesus loves me. It's like he's saying, like, look, 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 look. I'm writing a document. That's going to explain the most amazing works of Jesus this world has ever seen. In it, I'm going to write all about his life, his death, his resurrection. All the details. So not only my generation, but the generations to come can, can learn and hear about who Jesus actually is. If people are going to remember me for anything in this life. You want to know the most important description I can think of about myself? Jesus loves me. I'm not John, the, the, the greatest Christian who, who knew Jesus personally and wrote some of the Bible. I'm John, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's it. Friends, what a powerful powerful statement about how Christianity can work. And not only does Jesus love John, Jesus loved Peter too. And those just like him. And Jesus loves us. 
Jesus loves you. And this Easter, my prayer is that you would know that. I'm not, I'm not Adam, fancy coastline pastor guy. I'm Adam, guy that Jesus loves. You're not Emily, the one who does announcements. You're Emily, the one that Jesus loves. Bob, you're not the guy who just does railings, bro. You're the guy that Jesus loves. Caitlin, you're not just a student. You're the one that Jesus loves. Carlos, you're not just that handsome guy looking at me right now. You're the one that Jesus loves. In the same story, I can sit here all day and go through all 250 of you. You're the one that Jesus loves. It's powerful and it's real. Can I invite you to close your eyes with me just for a moment? I want, I want to create a, a, a little sacred space. And just for a moment, I want you to forget about the person that came with you. Forget about what you have to do for the rest of the day. I want to create a private moment between you and God. If like John, you need a revelation of Jesus' love, that's available today. Maybe like Peter, you've, you've messed up, but you want a second chance, that's available. If you'd like to receive the love of Jesus today, if this Easter you feel like something's been missing, you'd like to make things right between you and God. If this is you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up real quick. Thank you. Yeah. Just anybody else? Just take a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? In the quietness of this moment with their eyes closed, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you that you're real. Thank you for moments like this. We're just between us and you. We can know that we are loved. So Jesus, I want to say sorry. Sorry for anything that I've done that has separated me from you. Anything that I've done that has offended or hurt others. Anything that I've done that's offended or hurt you, God, I pray that you forgive me right now. I want to leave here different than the way that I came in. Thank you, God, that there is hope in you. That because of what you did on the cross, I can have a second chance. Would you please come into my heart, come into my life. Show me what it means to be a Christian. Show me what it means to walk in love. Show me what it means this Easter. Show me what it means to be authentic.